Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing at all during those days, and when they were over, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become a loaf of bread. But Jesus answered him, It is written, One does not live by bread alone. Then the devil led him up and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And the devil said to him, To you I will give their glory and all this authority, for it has been given over to me, and I give it to anyone I please. If you then will worship me, it will all be ours. Jesus answered him, It is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you. You will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is said, Do not put the Lord your God to a test. When the devil had finished every test, he departed from him until an opportune time. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight and be fruitful for our faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Identity theft. Just saying those words, I can see the anxiety. Some of us have experienced that crime. It's a horrible thing to have your identity stolen, and it's a pain, and it takes a lot of work, and it's a huge issue. We today are really worried about having our identity stolen, and you can buy insurance now. You can have credit monitoring and just like with our computers, you know, there's those viruses, and so you have to get virus protection. Well, there's protection against identity theft. Well, I'm here to tell you today that even though identity theft has become a big deal in our time, it's an old, old problem. It's an old old problem. As we watch Jesus go out, let out by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness... And the devil tempts Jesus with bread and power and safety. He's actually not just tempting him with things. He's trying to steal Jesus' identity. 
It's a sophisticated scheme of identity theft, I say. Underneath all those specific temptations is the devil trying to lead Jesus away from his identity as the Son of God, as away from his identity and relationship to the Father, and undercut that with that little word, if. If you are the Son of God, if, in essence, the temptation is for Jesus to go it alone, take up his own agenda and not the one that he's received from the Father. We also are tempted in the same way. And wouldn't it be great if indeed, like our psalms said, God is our refuge and our strength, that God provides a shelter for us, insurance for us from identity theft? How is it that we can be protected from this ongoing temptation to take our lives into our own hands by those many ifs in life? If. If you would just own this piece of property, if you would just have this car, if you would just get this degree, if you would just get this grade on your paper, if these kids would just accept you and like you, if that person that you're crazy about would just truly love you like you love them, boy, then everything would be perfect. If I could get that promotion, if I could get more money, then you would have life. David Lowe says this way, a great preaching help, former, or former president of one of our seminaries, Lutheran pastor. He says, our people are under assault every single day by tempting messages that seek to draw their allegiance from the God who created and redeemed them towards some meager substitute. And sometimes they are pretty meager. I mean, I've seen advertisements for Chinette plates that made me think I would be just, you know, in like Flynn if I bought these Chinette plates. But of course, usually they're much more um, challenging and much more tempting. Wouldn't it be great if we had some protection from this kind of identity theft. How is it that we can protect ourselves from, from this powerful word that we're not God's child unless? <laughs> we don't matter unless. Well, I think you're doing it right now. I think the old tempter knows that, boy, if God's people get into God's house, bunched up together, receiving the sacraments, hearing the word, that keeps them rooted in where their true identity is. If they go to Sunday school, if they invest in time in the Word, if they invest in prayer, if they're a part of the community, if they're in Bible study, in groups that can support them, if they are praying and looking to be prayed for as well, if they are serving and loving the neighbor and seeing their daily occupation as part of their vocation to be God's blessing in the world, if they remember that they've been blessed to be a blessing, if they're doing that, boy, that, that's insurance against the old tempter. Your ultimate insurance 
Your ultimate protection is when you were taken to that font and you had water poured over you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you were baptized and you were claimed by Almighty God. And that's what we do in Lent. We go back to our baptism. We get rid of some things that maybe have been kind of pulling us away from our identity. Um, that maybe if we fast from some things when we get to that great Easter celebration, um, it'll be even greater because now we can truly feast and celebrate what God has done. That's what Lent is about. So I guess we could look at Jesus and his victory in that wilderness in these 40 days and say, wow, we should just do what Jesus did and we'd be great. But I'd like to offer to you that Jesus' help out in the wilderness as he battles the devil, as we begin our Lenten journey, is not so much that he showed us how to do it. <laughs> in fact, it's much greater than that. And, and I sent, so let me go with me on this. You know, this is what month? And what happens in March? Thank you. This is March Madness. Now, teachers and other people in education where kids know that there's another kind of madness that happens about in March just because people are fed up with the winter or whatever. I don't know what it is. But, um, but, in, but in March, it's basketball time. It's college basketball time. And I have to confess, I haven't really watched college basketball that much. But there's something about college basketball that... I just love, way more than the professional sport. And, you know, it's partly because there isn't so much money involved in all of this, but um, there's something that happens. And I, I want you to, if you do watch a game, I want you, whenever you can see it, on the, they don't always show it, but you usually see it in the background. You know, you can watch the players and the, the superstar players, you know, playing for the best teams. They're out there on the court working, you know, doing their thing, making their great shots, making their great slam dunks. But look in the background at the, at the, the players sitting on the bench. Whether it's the women's basketball or men's basketball, look at the players sitting on the bench. I love it. Because they are not sitting there going, well, I'm just collecting a paycheck. This is cool. No, they're a part of the team. And those are the ones who have worked their tails off every practice, working, running, um, you know, doing all the drills, doing everything. And when it comes to the big games, they never see the light of day. They never get on the court. They are sitting at the end of the bench, but they are not sitting there like, oh, who cares? No, they are up every slam dunk. They're jumping up and waving towels, and when the threes go in, they're like, yes, and they're hugging each other. They're celebrating. They can't even stay off the court. They're so excited. When I look at Jesus in the wilderness, that's the way I feel. Because when I think about my life and how many times I mess up and how many times I fall into temptation or, or just struggle and I don't do, I, you know, like we started off today, the things done and the things left undone, thought, word, and deed, and I, I get frustrated. But when I look at Jesus out in the wilderness, I'm like one of those players on the bench, and you're like one of those players on the bench because we don't belong on that court. We're second string. We're third string. But Jesus is out there, and he does it all for us. And so we're 
they're jumping. Yes, we're waving the towels. Woo! He just knocked out the devil. And here's why you get to celebrate and wave that towel. Because in your baptism, Jesus brought you onto his team. And his victory is yours. That is how Jesus' time in the wilderness and his triumph over temptation is a help to us. Yes, it shows us be in the word, you know, have scripture a part of your life because the devil's going to quote scripture at you. Um, but, but, but the best help is to know you're on his team and he's defeated the devil and the devil will come back until an opportune time, but even then Jesus will still stay the course and go to the cross for us and win the victory for us on Easter morning. But this is where my little analogy falls down a little bit, doesn't it? Because here we are just sitting on the bench. Or does it? Because when you start to think that not only in our baptism did we receive an identity, we received the Holy Spirit that led Jesus into the wilderness, that empowered him to triumph for us in the wilderness. And that same spirit that is in Jesus is in us. And so just maybe God the Father looks down the bench and says, hey, Get in the game. And we go, no way, no way. <laughs> We're not good enough. We're not a super, we can't, no way. And God says, I'll give you my spirit so that you can be rooted in your identity and never let it go, that you're a child of God and you can keep serving and keep loving no matter what the tempter throws our way. Thanks be to God. Amen.